for this morning. Uh, we are, uh, we're continuing a, a sermon series. In some ways, it's kind of a two-part sermon series. In some, some ways, kind of seven. And uh, so you'll understand that in, in the coming weeks. But uh, uh, we're talking, last week we talked about our mission statement uh, really briefly. I tried to tie it in with, essentially, we're, what happened post-resurrection is what sends us out to do ministry and to live life. And that's what happened for the disciples. That's what sent them out with a mission. And that's what sends us out with a mission too. We only do any of this. We only show up on Sunday mornings. We only go out into the world to do life and ministry because the tomb is empty, because Christ has raised from the dead. It's what, it's what undergirds anything that we try to do. And, and if we're not focused on that, if that didn't happen, then we're totally wasting our time. And so, uh, so we talked about uh, our mission statement uh, last week. I want to talk about our core values this morning. So essentially, we have this mission statement. It's got these points to it. I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but then we have, we have core values that kind of spring from each of the points of our mission statement that maybe give a little more shape, maybe give a little more uh, practicality to each of the points of our mission statement. And uh, that's, that's what I want to explore this morning. So, uh, Shannon, first slide. Uh, I understand this is hard to see. I- I'll make it smaller here in just a second. But uh, I created this graphic, and uh, it's up on our website now, and, and it can kind of be ours for, for all time. Uh, but I think this kind of explains uh, the, this process. Call it a discipleship plan, for lack of better language. Uh, we talked about discipleship last week. I think about discipleship as, as more uh, all-encompassing than just a, a Bible study or a Sunday school. So, so this is a way for us to maybe think about what we're trying to accomplish here at our church. Uh, so next slide. Alrighty, Shannon. So this is the left part of that, that graphic. Uh, this is our mission. This is what we talked about last week, right? So we start with following the way of Jesus. Uh, that's really the goal. What do we want to do as a church? We, we want to follow Jesus. We want to do what he did, and we want to say what he, he said, and, and we want to love who he loved. We want to take seriously his calling in the world. First and foremost, we want to follow the way of Jesus. But I think there's ways for that to happen. So there's, you know, we love God, we know each other, and we serve the world. And again, we talked about some of these things last week. But then that takes us into our, our core values. So here's our values, the right part of that graphic. Uh, uh, the core value for loving God is what I would talk about as holistic worship. The core value for uh, knowing one another is what I would talk about as intentional community. Uh, And then the core value for serving the world would be what I would call missional living. And then those things all head to, to the end goal, which is transformed lives. We, we, we want our lives to be transformed. We want to be shaped and moved uh, into new and different kind of people. And I think that these three principles on the left here can help us to get there. So I want to talk about those three things this morning. Uh, and I, but I don't want to just lecture about them. I've done that before, and I'll probably do that again. Uh, this morning, I want to talk about these three things by, by uh, telling stories. And, and not even my stories your story. So we're going to do something just a little bit different this morning, and I'm going to invite some other people to help talk about these ideas through ways in which they are embodying them in their lives. Uh, So we'll start out with holistic worship. 
so just a, 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 a couple quick thoughts as I'm having Ashley come up to the stage to join me. Ashley Beck. Uh, so holistic worship. The way I would talk about holistic worship is that uh, we're not called to just come and worship for an hour on Sunday mornings. Come on up, Ashley. That, this is good. What we're doing right now, these worship gatherings, they're good. They're fine. I, I'm glad that we do them. They're really, really significant. But this isn't what we're called to. Right? What we're called to is to be worshipers in general. We're called to worship. We're not called to worship services. We're not called to worship gatherings. So holistic worship, the idea here uh, is that it's way more, worship is meant to be way more holistic, way more all-encompassing, way more of a lifestyle than just an hour on a Sunday morning. We're meant to be kind of caught up in worship all day, every day, everywhere we go, kind of overtaken, overwhelmed by God's goodness, uh, everywhere we go. It's more than just an hour. So uh, this is Ashley, uh, for those of you who don't know. And uh, Ashley went on a trip. Uh, I don't know, when did you go on your trip? Here, you can, you can have this from now on. Uh, so last May, so almost about a year ago, Ashley went on a trip to Spain and uh, so she flew all the way to Spain to take a walk. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Some people told me I was crazy for doing so, that. So Ashley flew to Spain to take a walk, uh, and, which, which in some, I'm, I'm kidding, of course. I'm saying that in jest. But in some ways, that's true, right? You just went to walk, like 100 miles or something. You can talk about that. But which seems kind of normal, right? Nothing terribly extraordinary about that. And yet, I trust that something happened as you were doing a really normal thing that maybe, just maybe, you encountered God in ways that don't typically happen when we just walk. Uh, so uh, so I'll, I'll kind of send it off to you to talk uh, about whatever you want to talk about, but I'm kind of interested in that intersection. How does... How did worship, faith, God kind of intersect with something that seems like kind of a normal thing? walking. Uh, go ahead. Thanks, Pastor Jason. Um, yes, he said I went to Spain for a couple of weeks last, uh, last May, and uh, I went with a travel component for a class, so I was with 12 other people uh, walking for 10 or 11 days. We hiked 150 miles on the Camino de Santiago, uh, or the Way of St. James, uh, and at the at the end, the destination was to reach the cathedral um, in Santiago, where St. James is supposedly buried. Um, but so there was a, a spiritual destination uh, in sight. But the 11 days that we spent walking was very normal, um, just walking for 15 or 20 miles a day. Um, and that was pretty much our only job. Um, was to walk and get to the next town that we were supposed to stay at. Um, so you might think, how is just walking 15 or 20 miles a day really a spiritual experience? Um, but it gives you a lot of time to reflect and think about things while you're walking and noticing things. Um, and to be honest, I was kind of hoping for a road to Damascus type of experience Um, especially after flying across the ocean and everything. Um, But I I didn't really get a Jesus on the road to Damascus experience. Um, 
But at the end, um, I realized that I kind of did in a way because God was present throughout each mile that we walked, just not necessarily in the way that I was expecting or hoping he might show up. Um, So if anybody really knows me much, um, you might know that I like to have everything planned out uh, and have um, an itinerary of exact schedule of things that's going to happen. Um, And I'm usually thinking about 10 things ahead of what I'm actually doing right now. Uh, But when I was walking on the Camino, I got to put that aside for a while um, and instead just be open to the unexpected things that might happen that I couldn't plan for, Um, like maybe you take a wrong turn and you get lost or something. Um, And in being open to those things, I got to experience, um, experience a lot of encounters with people and with nature, um, and I got to be open to seeing, seeing other people and hearing their stories. Um, for example, one, uh, one evening I was uh, exploring outside of the city where we were staying, and I ran into this amazing lady from Italy, and I was going to be late for dinner, and I was kind of worried about that, but I set aside the uh, being on time for dinner to get to talk to her for a while and find out her story of how walking on the Camino had actually brought her to faith in Christ. And now she was walking it again for a second time to kind of rejuvenate her spiritual faith and finding out how the experience of walking the Camino had actually brought her to Jesus um, and hundreds of other stories like that um, was a way that led me to kind of realize that God was there with me through the people I was walking with and Um, just through all of the nature around me. Um, So kind of bringing that back to to home, um, being able to take time to notice things and talk to people uh, instead of just being caught up in my own schedule and just enjoying simple things like having a cup of coffee without working on something or um, being absorbed in my own... Uh, life and just enjoying those simple things with the people around me is the ways that I saw the intersection of worship with the daily rhythms of the things that I do every day, whether it's walking or whatever else you do. That's awesome. probably long. Awesome. Talk. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ashley. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Perfect. That is so great. So, uh, so we put some language around holistic worship just to provide a couple thoughts here. So next slide, Ashley. Uh, so this language has gone on our website and uh, 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 I think kind of helps us to understand it a little better. Too often worship is reserved for Sunday morning when it is meant to be an all-day, everyday rhythm of life. So we strive for Sunday morning gathering, worship gatherings to strengthen and encourage us to move out into the world. Uh, next slide. It's stuck here. Good thing I have it. Uh, in our homes, workplaces, and community with our friends, family, coworkers, and strangers to be people who are constantly living lives of worship and prayer, aware of God's presence, activity, and grace all around us at all times. So I, I wrote that, but a little bit of commentary on what, what I wrote. A few things that stand out. Uh, the first thing that I would say is that uh, 
Sundays are a rehearsal for life. And Gary and I have talked about this a lot in the way that we plan worship and think about worship gatherings here. But I think that Sundays are a rehearsal for real life. This isn't the end. This is a means to an end. What we do here on Sunday mornings is a way for us to practice the way that we might be out in the world. So we come and we give praise and we notice God in really specific, overt ways as a way of rehearsing going out into the world to notice God in ways that are all around us all the time. We practice being in community with one another so we can go out and do that. We rub shoulders with people that are really, really different from us here in this safe place so that we can go out uh, into the world and rub shoulders with people who are very, very different than us. Uh, and, and, we all, and we serve. There's a way to serve. There's worship teams. There's ushers and greeters. And so we practice serving here in order to go out and be servant leaders out in the world. Sundays are a rehearsal for real life. And then the second thing I would say is that uh, we are called to an electric awareness of God's presence and goodness all the time. And you've, you've probably heard me talk about this multiple times. I don't care. I think it's so important that we have our radar up, that we are tuned in to the ways in which God might be speaking to us out in the world, revealing himself to us in ways that we never thought we would see. Uh, and, and so I, I think we're called to, kinda, we're, to be uh, on the lookout for the ways in which the kingdom might crop up, might pop up in unexpected ways. Uh, so that's holistic worship. Second, the second core value that I would point us to is, uh, is intentional community. So I'll share just a couple thoughts while I'm uh, welcoming Pat Newby up to the stage to share with us. Uh, a couple thoughts about intentional community. First of all, I would say that we are not very good at being communal. Our culture is not a very communal culture, just in general, and the church isn't much better at doing so. We're we're an individualistic kind of culture, Uh, we're kind of a standoffish kind of culture, we hide our true emotions, we're not honest and raw as people, and the church, unfortunately, isn't much better at doing that. And so we are committed to trying to break those boundaries, uh, of trying to break through those walls of separation and actually be intentionally communal. Uh, to, to, uh, to not just be friendly, to not just be welcoming and hospitable, to actually break through those uh, places to where we're actually raw and honest and vulnerable with one another, where we're actually sharing life in real ways. So I've invited Pat Newby to the stage. Uh, Pat, you've, uh, you and Paul have been going to this church a long time, and uh, you've been building relationships here for a very long time. Uh, and yet this last year, you had a pretty rough go. It was a pretty rough year. For those who don't know, Pat will talk more, uh, but she had a brain tumor this last year. When was that? It was about a year ago. Right about now. a year ago, mm-hmm. uh, and, and had to be in Seattle for a long time. And uh, I've heard you tell stories, and that's why I'm inviting you to the stage. I've heard you tell stories about the ways in which uh, that longevity of being here and forming relationships and being in this community actually helped sustain you mm-hmm. through a really tragic, traumatic experience. So I'm I'm interested in hearing you talk about those kind of intersections. How you how your time here building relationships kind of saw you through a really trying time. Okay. Well, it was a year ago that I was diagnosed with a brain tumor. 
And uh, it, it hit me out of the blue. I was totally shocked because I had no, the only uh, symptom I had was double vision. So we did go to uh, a training facility, a, a medical school in Seattle, which is where my sister lives, thank God. And so we were able to stay with her um, before I was before and after surgery. I, I had a meningioma, uh, which is a tumor of the meninges that cover the brain. And um, it's a, a, a long-growing tumor. It takes a long time to develop, and it's usually benign. So um, I actually had three surgeries. I was expecting one. I had three. My second surgery, I had developed a friendship with the anesthesiologist, who was a, a foreign lady, either from Italy or Germany or Europe someplace, and kind of had a thick accent. But she knew I was an RN, so we, had, we did a little bit of visiting uh, before she took me into surgery. My second surgery, I came out of it, uh, and my sister was sitting at my right hand, and I was just waking up, and in marched this little lady, the anesthesiologist. She had her cell phone in her hand, and she said, I want to show you an EKG. What do you see? So she shoved it in my face, and at that point, it's like, I can hardly see anything. How am I? So I looked, and I said, well, it looks like flat lines. She said, it was three times. That was you. I stopped the surgery. And I looked at her, and I said, you saved my life. Well, she didn't want to go into that, but she did. And so what I had was staples in my incision. All they had done was made an incision in my skin from here all the way down to here. So we had some problems, um, and we sort of, the surgeons got around those problems and took me into surgery and a couple days later when uh, they spent eight hours in my head. And uh, Paul said he was glad to know I had a brain in there. And, and that time, of course, not only did they do this, the incision again, but also penetrated my skull. So I have sutures in my skull. I can still feel a dent in my head here where it was. But anyways, it, it came out fine, as you can see, it did. But what I wanted to share was the entire time, our traveling out to Seattle while we were there, all during those surgeries, I had such a peace, and I've, I've shared that with you before, such a peace. I wasn't anxious. I wasn't worried. I wasn't wondering what was going to happen. Am I going to live? Am I going to die? That never occurred to me. I just knew I was in God's presence. And it's because of your prayers. And that's the intersection. You folks were praying for me. Even if you hadn't known me the full 50 years that I've been going to this church. But your prayers upheld not only me but my family as well. Because Paul felt the peace as well. And um, I remember awakening one morning in between my surgeries and thinking, I, or I couldn't go to sleep that night, 
So I was going through the 23rd Psalm like I do when I can't sleep, and I got to the place where it said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I thought, I'm not walking, I'm there right now, that's where I am. But I was just filled with, with such peace. I wish I could explain it to you, and I hope that you get to experience that yourself. And so um, we came back, and I, I haven't had any after effects, and I had zero pain, which was lovely, But uh, except that I don't have a whole lot of energy. But I do, I want to thank you for your prayers, and I want to thank you our mute. Lord Jesus Christ, who was the person, did I turn it off? You muted it. <laughs> I just want to thank Jesus for being with me the whole time, and for you for seeking his face in my life. Thank you, Pat. Appreciate it. Beautiful. Uh, all right, so again, next slide. A, a, few, a few thoughts on intentional community. Uh, I, I love that, Pat. Thank you. Uh, I would say, uh, while we are at First Baptist Bozeman, uh, while we at First Baptist Bozeman hang our hat on being a welcoming and friendly church, and I hear you all talk about that often, and I think that we are, uh, and, and fantastically succeed uh, in this effort, we recognize that most churches fail to actively and intentionally take the next step of actually knowing each other and being known. Uh, we strive to be people who do the hard work of building incredibly strong relationships so we can truly be present for one another in the midst of all that life brings, both good and bad. So again, a couple thoughts. First, friendly isn't the goal. And I mentioned this uh, earlier, but friendly isn't the goal. I would even say maybe, I, maybe even say the loving isn't even the goal. Be, because we can we kind of love each other without actually being in community. I, I can love people that I don't even know, that I, I never talk with, that I'm not actually doing life with. So the goal isn't friendly or loving. The goal is to know one another and to be known. And I think in that process, we will naturally be friendly and we will, we will naturally be loving. But I think that the goal is to know one another, to actually invest and ask questions and be curious and to wonder about one another, and then to be known, to put ourselves out there in raw, honest, vulnerable ways where people can know us. They can know my struggles. They can know what I'm going through. They can know when I'm in pain. They can know when I'm celebrating, when life is great, and they can be present with me in that. The goal is to know and to be known. Uh, all right, then third uh, core value is missional living. And so I'll, I'll share just a couple words while I'm inviting Bobby Miller to come up and share uh, with us. Uh, all right, so missional living. Uh, Missional living is a weird phrase. The word missional is a, is a weird word uh, that's kind of been co-opted and, and hijacked uh, in, in our church world. And it's, it's come to mean all sorts of different things to all sorts of different people. But the way that I think about missional is that uh, to, to be missional, to live a missional life, is, is to be on mission each and every day each and every moment, in each and every circumstance, with each person that we interact with. It's different than doing mission. 
Being missional is different than doing a, a mission project once in a while or, or being committed to a cause from time to time or going on some sort of uh, summer mission project. Uh, it, what we're talking about is different than that. Missional living means that everywhere I go, wherever I am, whoever I'm with, whether it's at work or, or at play or, or at school or uh, with my friends or my family or, or co-workers, wherever I go, whether, whether I'm in coffee shops or I'm uh, on the soccer field, everything that I do, uh, I'm on mission. Uh, and it really comes from the idea that God is a missional God. Everywhere God goes, everything that God does is mission. It's all mission all the time. Uh, so, uh, I've invited Bobby to the stage. Uh, Bobby's a teacher, for those of you who don't know. She's a kindergarten teacher at Petra Academy. And uh, uh, every day, you walk into a classroom that's full of all sorts of kids that come from all sorts of backgrounds and, uh, and have all sorts of issues that they face. And so I'm interested about how your job as a teacher intersects with your faith. And, and more specifically, what, what we're all called to as Christians to be on mission everywhere we go. So I'll just leave it at that and let you chat. Thank you. Um, I want to begin by saying that is a humbling thing to talk about because I know what I should do, and I know that I don't always do it. So um, that's a place to begin. So it's humbling to be up here talking about this. But what I will say is this. I feel like being missional is tied so strongly to being um, intentional about community. I do have many people from many different walks of life that bring their children um, into the doors of our school. And they all have a different story. And so I think that to begin to live missionally in the classroom is to love those children's, those children and their families in the same way that I love my own children to see that they are flawed and, oh, sometimes so much easier to love than others. But I, I don't stop loving my own children when I see their flaws. And I'm called to um, love these little people in that same way, to see how they are image bearers even on their worst days. And a story that came to me um, when Jason called to ask if I would talk is that I, have, um, I had a student who had been struggling with behavior and was saying some things um, about family life that were hard to hear. And the first thing is it's difficult to know how to go to um, parents with these things that the children are talking about because oftentimes, believe me, if you have a kindergartner, you know everything that goes on in, in their house. <laughs> things parents really would prefer me not to know, I am sure. Um, but... The mother came to my door to pick up this child one day, and I asked her that question we all do, how was your day today? And she said, fine, and I knew in my, my heart of hearts that everything was not fine. I could tell by her body language. I could tell by her look, her everything. I, you know, call her child up, send um, her out the door, and at our school, the children pick up at my classroom, they go down to the garment room, and then they, they walk back by my classroom. And the whole time the inner dialogue is starting, do I say something? She's not fine. I should say something. Am I going to offend her by being curious? I'm, I'm my own worst enemy when it comes to being missional. And so I'm having this conversation in my head, and as she walks back by, 
I grab her. And I'm like, ah, you weren't very convincing. How was, how was your day? How are things going? And the floodgates opened. They, uh, then I'm pulling her into my classroom. And the things that this family um, were going through are things that I honestly with all of my being, cannot begin to comprehend. There were some um, big things going on. And through that interaction with her, um, I was able to look at the people I have in my life and connect her to people who could help, who could actually fill the needs that she had in her life. And God was able to use that experience to to help in real intangible ways. And... The next morning, I was getting ready for work, and I I got a message from this woman, a text message, because I had given her my number and said, "I'm, I'm available. Let me know what I can do to help. And she said just one little sentence, and it said, thanks for noticing. So I feel like so often to be missional, it's just to notice, to take the time to notice that somebody is has a need to be a responder and then an inviter. Invite them to, um, to be part of your life, to know you and um, to be known. And there are many ways for us to do that every day, to be missional. It's sometimes just noticing somebody who feels like they're not being noticed. That's awesome. That's really great. Thank you so much, Bobby. Uh, so good. Uh, Next slide, Shannon. Uh, so here's, a, here's the best way that I can kind of put words to this. Missional living. In a world of busyness and activity and projects, the church must learn to foster a lifestyle of mission. We serve a God of mission who is not bound by the walls of the religious institution, so we strive to emulate this posture, moving outside the walls of our church to be on mission everywhere we go, seeking to be the good news of Jesus in our neighborhoods, city, and world, and workplace. Uh, So a couple thoughts on that. First thing I would say is that... uh, The norm, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but the norm, the normal way of operating in our culture is busyness, chaos, stress, multitasking. We are a tuned out kind of culture. We're so busy, we're so frantic, we're being pulled in a million different directions that we're kind of just tuned out. And that's the normal, and it's actually okay to to be that way in our culture, right? When you ask somebody, how's it going, The, the, the most favorite answer is, Oh, keep him busy. Keep him busy. As if that's a good thing to, uh, to aspire to. Uh, and so I would say that, that missional living invites us into an alternative reality. If that's the normal, then to be missional is to be alternative to that. And, and the, the best language that I can put to that is the phrase faithful presence. We are invited to be a faithful presence in the world. And I love your words, to, to, to notice. We're essentially called to notice, to be so rooted and grounded in the world, eyes up to everything that we might be experiencing in the world, paying attention to hurt and pain that we see uh, on the faces of those around us, and we are tuned in faithfully to the ways in which God might want us to be on mission there in that place at that time. There's this uh, phrase that the ancient rabbis would use. They'd say, wherever you go, there you are. Wherever you go, there you are. Which seems 
Well, duh, right? Wherever you go, there you are, of course. And yet, I think we all know that you can be somewhere without being somewhere, right? I'm speaking truth here. You can be somewhere without actually being present. Uh, you, you can be, in a, you can be at a, in a conversation and you're on your phone or you're in your head and you're thinking about the 10 things that you have to do later that day or you're stressing about deadlines that are coming due. You can be somewhere and not actually be somewhere. And missional living invites us into a faithful presence where we are there in the moment noticing all that is happening in the world around us and with the people that are around us. Um, So those are the three, holistic worship, intentional community, missional living, which all lead to transformed lives. I'm I'm convinced of that. If we are doing those things, if we are espousing that sort of posture in the world, I am convinced that our lives will be transformed. I'm I'm absolutely convinced about that. Uh, And this is the way I would talk about transformed lives. Discipleship has traditionally been understood as learning some information about Jesus when it is meant to be a journey toward living more like Jesus. So, while we continue to provide classic discipleship programs like Bible study and Christian education, Education, our goal is to seek to be formed in the way of Jesus as true disciples and followers of Christ through worship, community, and mission. We're seeking to have our lives transformed. It all leads to that place. Uh, which brings us back to our discipleship plan. So again, you, you can't see the whole thing terribly well up on the screen there. But uh, this is kind of where we're moving. And I think the beauty of uh, our mission statement and the beauty of these core values and the beauty of this entire plan kind of in its entirety uh, is a number of things. Here's how I try to articulate this. First of all, I think this idea, these ideas, give us a framework to think about our mission and our vision for the world, but they leave a ton of room for creative uh, and adaptive outworking of this mission. Right? I'm not telling you anything that you should do. Our church isn't telling, uh, you know, this isn't creating any programs for our church. This, this is leaving tons and tons of room for us to creatively and adaptively kind of work out how this might actually play out in our current context. So it gives us a framework, but there's lots and lots of room for us to, to, to figure out how to do this. Second thing I would say is that this gives us a framework for both personal and corporate life and ministry. I think this works for our church, and I think this works for each of us as individuals. It works for us as a family. It works on multiple levels. Uh, I think that as people, we can be committed to following the way of Jesus. We can be committed to loving God, knowing each other, serving the world, being a part of all of these core values, and it can transform us as people. But I think then corporately, our church can be committed to the, this mission and these values, and our church can be transformed. Our corporate body collectively, in some sort of mysterious way, can be transformed by this process. And then the third thing that I would mention, the reason I love, I love this process, this discipleship plan, is that it offers us a helpful way to measure success. 
I think this can be kind of a benchmark to help us measure success. Now, it's not going to help us measure quantitative success, right? This isn't going to, this isn't going to grow our church automatically. But I think this is a way of, of measuring our qualitative success. I'm convinced that this will transform our lives. Uh, and, and so looking at this and kind of coming back to these principles often, I think can keep us grounded uh, in our, how are we doing? How are we doing in this process? How are we doing as a church? Uh, and it really starts at the ends of the spectrum uh, with, with being able to ask these kind of questions. Are we following the way of Jesus. Do we actually look more and more like Jesus with each and every passing Sunday? And are we being transformed? Is this process, do I look different today than I did 12 months ago? Is my faith stronger? Uh, are my relationships stronger? Am I serving better? A- am I better attuned to the ways in which God keeps cropping up in my life? Uh, have Am I, am I being transformed? And I think we can keep coming back to this and asking these kind of questions. So to, to conclude, may we, both personally and collectively, be committed to our core values of holistic worship, intentional community, and missional living. And may we always be striving to follow the way of Jesus, to have our lives transformed by God's love, presence, goodness, and grace. Let's pray together. Uh, God, we thank you that you have actually sent us forth on this mission, that all this comes straight from you, and that you have demonstrated it. You demonstrated it before Jesus, but you most certainly demonstrated these things through Jesus. And so we are grateful for the example, and we pray that we would have the courage uh, to, uh, to be holistic worshipers, to seek your face each and every moment of each and every day, to have our radar tuned to the ways in which you might be trying to show up in our lives. We pray that you would give us the courage to, to live in intentional community, that we would be honest and vulnerable and raw with one another, that we wouldn't shy away from hard conversations, that we would be fully present with one another in the midst of good and bad. And then, Lord, make us courageous to go out and live missional lives, that everywhere we go, we would be propelled by you, the missional God, to be missional people who are always seeking uh, to, to be good news for everyone that you put in our path. In Jesus' name, we pray all of these things. Amen.